Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, General Manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm the voice and face of Breaking Bread Oven on Instagram. You can find me here every Thursday, right after Allison, and right before Nachum's live lunch. By the way, a shout-out to Allison. Allison Josephs has been handling and uh, commenting excellently, brilliantly, on the Netflix show My Unorthodox Life. Um, literally, if you don't follow Allison, you really should. She takes you point by point, both whether you follow her on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Just go through her arguments. Go through everything that she writes about it. No, I have not watched the show. I haven't watched the show. No, I don't plan on it. It's totally not something I would ever watch. Basically, in my life at this point, if Aaron Sorkin hasn't written it, I'm not watching it. That's just where I am. So I'm not going to handle it on social media. A number of people reached out to me and said something about, you know, why aren't I commenting or whatever. Folks, I wouldn't comment on this even if I did watch it. This is not my forte. Allison, this is her forte. Speaking to this, answering questions, being that person you get to, that's all Allison. She is the right person for this. And she did a better job. She's doing a better job than I ever could. So no, I'm not handling it on social media. Again, three reasons. One, haven't watched it. And and by the way, if you're commenting on anything without really um, knowing the topic, I mean, if you've watched one, one episode and you haven't watched all of the episodes, you probably should watch all of them before you make a comment. But anyway, I haven't watched them. I'm not going to watch them. And Allison's already doing it. So She's got it covered. Follow Allison on all this. Also, folks, I didn't know. I didn't know that you could make ice cream and be authorities on regional politics on things that are happening 6,000 miles away from your state. Can you imagine for a second the brain trust in Vermont that goes on at Ben & Jerry's? Geniuses, I say. They make an ice cream called Half-Baked, and they know so much about Israeli-Palestinian conflict that they can make a political statement. I mean, they must be geniuses. Geniuses in the water in Vermont. Yeah, I think we all need to calm down a second, but stay tuned for the live launch because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot to talk about today. Not just about Ben and Jerry's, not just about my unorthodox life. Don't worry, Nahum hasn't watched it either. He's not going to. Do you know him? Anyway, um, not just about those things, but as Nahum alluded to during this morning's JM in the AM, um, I did not make the trip to Israel with him this week, and we will discuss why later during the live lunch. Let's do the national holidays. I also just want to mention that, you know how sometimes I like to include the national holidays on Friday? Well, I did so this time as well, and you'll understand why in a second. First of all, today being the 22nd day of July, it is casual pie day. P-I, as in 3.14. Why? Uh, I, I, I researched this for you guys. I researched this because I like to bring you this kind of information. Pi denotes the relationship between a circle's circumference and its diameter and is denoted by the fraction 22 over 7 which calculates approximately to 3.14. One of the most widely recognized mathematical concepts, pi, is an irrational number, and the digits of which repeat in a random fashion are never ending. So 22 over 7, it is casual pi day because that is the imperfect fraction that we use to equate to 3.14. Yep. In Miriam's House of Useless Knowledge, that may come in handy. It's also National Refreshment Day, the fourth Thursday of every July, and it's also Rat Catchers Day. Here in New York, we celebrate rat catchers every single day. 
there are uh, way too many rats and not enough rat catchers. So, folks, if you're a rat catcher, today is for you. Tomorrow, oh, my gosh, tomorrow is National Pajama Day. That is correct. I wish it was one day over, but tomorrow is National Pajama Day. So shout out to you and your favorite pair of pajamas. It's also gorgeous Grandma Day, which I like to refer to as Beautiful Bubby Day. So shout out to all the beautiful bubbies and all the gorgeous grandmas out there and all the... I don't know, something softos? I don't know. I don't got something for that. But anyway, I know. We'll think about that. I'm sure our Rummy will, or Mark will come up with something and we'll include it in the live lunch. Let's do the fortune cookie. Let's see how fortunate we are. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. It's also Yoni Pollock's birthday. The Hassan himself. We look forward to celebrating Please God and his Simcha next week. I have a feeling that next week's Thursday programming is going to be all Yoni all the time. The live lunch. That's life. You name it. It's all going to be about Yoni Pollock's wedding. All right. Maybe not. Maybe alternate side isn't suspended today. But a shout out to Yoni Pollock and happy birthday to him. And of course, that means, Tani, happy birthday to you as well. Today's fortune cookie. Telling someone the truth is a loving act. Well, folks, I guess that means I love a lot of people. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I'm crazy excited to welcome my guest. Yesterday, around 3.45 in the afternoon, thank you to UPS, because they delivered my copy of Good Food. Good Food is the newest release from Art Scroll Masora, authored by Sina Mizrahi. First of all, if you don't follow Sina on Instagram or checking out her blog called Gather a Table uh, at gatherertable.com, you certainly should. That's first off. Second off, if you haven't bought the book yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, artscroll.com slash good food. This is not a complicated title. It's good food for real life. Promo code radio, as you know, will give you 10% off and free shipping. So certainly go to artscroll.com slash good food and order your copy today. Sina Mizrahi joins us. She is the author of Good Food, and she is the recipe writer and photographer of the blog Gather a Table. In this beautiful cookbook, beautiful cookbook, there are over 160 recipes that feature fresh and bold flavors and satisfying meals and sweets, all inspired by her Middle Eastern roots. And I can tell you that within 90 minutes, 90 minutes of my receiving this cookbook, I had already completed recipe, recipe, the recipe on page 22 called Jerusalem Bagel. Within 90 minutes, I had fresh, hot Jerusalem bagels out of my oven and on my counter, all thanks to Sina Mizrahi. Sina, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to wish you, first of all, a mazel tov on this absolutely beautiful cookbook. Wow, thank you. And I also want to congratulate you in producing recipes that are both fresh and flavorful and in my most important compliment, straightforward. The fact that... You know, the fact that this literally the cookbook can arrive and within 90 minutes I have made this beautiful recipe and it came out exactly the way you said just is a great example of the rest of this cookbook as well. Well, um, that's that's very impressive that within 19 minutes you already had something pulling out of the oven. Um, But that's what I'm looking at. I want people to feel connected to the recipe and feel like they want to make something right away. It jumps out of them, um, and I wanted. It was very important for me to make it clear and concise, um, and very approachable. 
approachable is definitely the right word. And certainly there are a number of recipes that are just that. I also, by the way, I also made the orange, um, I'm just pulling it up, the salmon the the salmon with the Aleppo pepper. Oh, here it is. The orange miso salmon that's on page 210. I also made that. I marinated, marinated it last night, and I grilled it this morning, and I brought it in for lunch. So within, oh, wow. li- literally within 24 hours, all of these ingredients I have in my house. There's nothing. Oh, I'm so impressed. You have Aleppo pepper in your pantry? I do. I know. I'm nutty, right? That's, that's very impressive. Um, it's not as common spice, and it's a little hard to find. So whenever people have it, I'm actually, um, I'm pretty impressed. Well, I, as soon as I saw it, I grabbed it. It was one of those moments. I, I totally get it. But yeah. all of, but even so, the Aleppo pepper can be substituted to the red pepper flakes. And oh, again, sure. right, again, it speaks to just how doable and approachable your recipes are. So let's take a step back. Let's take a step back for a second. Let's talk about the title of the book. You put together this beautiful book with, with heartfelt and and doable recipes and you name the book good food talk to me about that so um it was very hard to find a title for a book because um as much as i cook very middle eastern i also cook you know more mainstream cuisines um and i felt it was important to represent both sides because i wanted it to be food that shows up on my table um and i was thinking for a really long time and i felt like i get so many messages telling me either you look, your food looks so beautiful, or that looks so good, or you make such good food. Um, so I felt like good food was a little bit um, a title that encompasses everything that represents, that I feel the book represents. Um, it's food that comes from a little bit of everywhere. Um, I write um, that I lived in a few places, and I feel like every little place just influenced my cooking and how I approach recipes and how I put together flavors. Um, so I felt like it was it was it was something that is engaging. Like everyone wants to make good food, and it represents the book. And it it's also somewhat of a guarantee, right? You're looking at yeah. the at the person okay. who's you're guaranteeing that whatever recipe somebody's going to pull out of here, it's going to be good food. Yes, um, although it's a little intimidating because you know flavor and taste and whatever is very subjective. So what if they don't think it's good? I was a little nervous, <laughs> but most of the time, everyone has such good things. Um, and everyone who's made and tasted the food assured me that it's good. Yeah, no, it certainly it certainly is, and I can tell you that again with only having experienced and, and putting together two of the recipes, they the fact that they come out exactly the way you describe them and you articulate in the recipe is is very important, especially in my opinion when it comes to the bagel recipe because so many people are intimidated by yeast. I know, I know. I gave a few tips at the beginning. Um, I feel like, I, I don't know why they're intimidated. I mean, intimidated, I guess, because sometimes it doesn't rise. But if you have fresh yeast and you follow the recipe to a T, you are almost guaranteed success because um, I, I, it works. It, just, it works. You know, a warm environment helps dough rise, and that's all we're looking for. And then once you bake it, you, you know, there's different, types, different ways to bake bread, and you get different textures. So the drills and bagel itself has kind of like the seeds on top. It has um, a very, very um, airy inside and a little bit of a crust on the outside. Um, and they're, they're like fairly like ropey and thin. So it's very satisfying texture. Oh, 100%. And the fact that it's coated on all sides is also 
um, yeah. adds to that because every bite you're getting that flavor. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great recipe. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm joined by Sina Mizrahi, cookbook author of the new book, Good Food. She's also the blogger and the brains behind Gather a Table. You can find her at gatheratable.com. And again, I encourage everyone to go to artscroll.com slash goodfood. Use promo code radio and buy your copy today. Now, I, I want to go through for a second your your section at the beginning called cook good food. You basically give somebody tips. You want to cook good food? I'm giving you the recipes to cook good food. Now I'm going to tell you how to do it. Listen to these different steps. How important were these tips to you? So I'll tell you, when I write a recipe, I really aim for it to be concise. No one wants to read like a whole text when they're just trying to make a dish. Um, But there's so many little tips and tidbits that like, if you keep in mind, can improve your cooking in general, not just with making this recipe. So I felt like a little section at the beginning, you know, with a few tips to, to incorporate or keep in mind while you're cooking will elevate your cooking, will make you a more confident cook, will make you um, be able to think of a recipe not just as, you know, exactly what's written, but you're, you'll be able to own it and be able to adapt it and be able to, like, play around and get creative when you keep these little, you know, principles in mind. Um, I really felt it was important to write that. I wish I had, like, more space to write more, <laughs> but it wasn't, like, it wasn't a cooking textbook. Um, but there's just certain things, you know, like, I want you to know, and, and, and while you're going through the book and while you are exploring different cooking methods and recipes, you'll understand why it's written the way it's written. And, more, and, and in, uh, in addition to that, what I find... Oh, because it speaks to me. What I find to be your most important tip is that salt is at the heart of flavors. Oh, absolutely. I wrote that in the front. I told you how to salt your pasta water. I have a, a section in the back explaining different salts and how I use them. Um, I think that, I, I mean, I know like my mother's generation, <laughs> they just have like a table salt and that's it. Right. <laughs> That's all it is in there, but it's not. There's so there's different types, and each one brings its own unique texture and flavor and personality. And when you incorporate different um, salts and in different stages of cooking and even in desserts, you will see that it takes your food to another level because salt is really the foundation of flavor. There's oh, no I doubt about it. I totally agree with you. And I laugh when you when you say about your mom's generation, the older generation, that there was only one table salt. How many times have you told somebody when they ask you what salt you use and you say kosher salt and they look at you and say, well, aren't all of your salts kosher? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it does get confusing. <laughs> right, right. But, but kosher salt is a specific kind of salt that yeah. is used for koshering and that's why, yeah. it, right, it got the name kosher salt. But this so speaks to me because I'm also obsessed with salt and it makes me crazy when people eliminate salt from a recipe. But again, that's so generational. Right, I think so. I, I guess, I mean, first of all, some people have the mentality that like salt is unhealthy um, or high sodium. But I think there's like salts that have like higher mineral content and they're actually very healthy for you. Um, and everything is in moderation. So I think that if a person salts their food well, not over-salting, obviously, but it, it, there's no doubt about it that the flavor is absolutely, like, so different. Oh, 100%. I think most people, like, when they, when they feel like their dish didn't come out well, it's usually it needs more salt. Salt brings out other flavors in a dish. Salt and acid, so important. Yeah. yeah. 
So important. Promo code radio is what you use when you go to artscroll.com slash good food to order Sina's book. Good food by Sina Mizrahi. Go to artscroll.com. Use promo code radio. What was the first recipe that you said you insisted must be included in this book? Oh, that's really hard. <laughs> Um, the truth is, the um, Libyan mafoum, which is um, a stew of stuffed potatoes, with meat, has meat and chicken. Um, it's then fried in a, in a, like a batter and then um, braised in a tomato sauce and vegetables. It's, it's, it's a dish that's like very emotionally attached to. It's a, like a family heirloom because my mother's Libyan and it's, what we make, or I mean what she makes, and what my grandmother made and great-grandmother and everyone in my family, um, that's what they make to celebrate, uh, to show love, to, to make the house feel homey. Mm. It's a, a huge undertaking because they make the couscous from scratch. Right. But I didn't include the couscous recipe because that's, that's a little bit um, you know, more involved. But I felt like the stew was very much represents what I love about cooking which is, is nurturing, you know, the people around you through good food. A hundred percent. And I, I loved the introduction to that recipe. It really spoke to me uh, in terms of, you know, this this is my family. This is my life. I'm sharing that with you. I'm inviting you into my home. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and it's amazing how we could share ourselves through food also. Oh, Absolutely. So I re- in reading your bio and your, your introduction at the beginning of the book and so many different anecdotes like this, I just sort of wondered, when you were growing up, did you ever have mac and cheese? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> uh, that, that, that doesn't ca- that's not a category, a category of food for my mom. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but when my, actually my little brother, who's like much younger than me, so when he was little, like he really insisted, so like once in a while my mother would make it for him, but like that doesn't, that doesn't like, for my mom, that's not food. A mm. food has to be like substantial, has to be involved, has to be braised, it has to be, it's, yeah. Right. <laughs> it doesn't come a from the heart, if it, it doesn't come from the heart if it came out of a box? Yeah, no. <laughs> Not for her. Right. No, I hear that completely. I hear that completely. You know, there's a tremendous amount of passion that is that really shows in this book. And I wonder how you transitioned that passion from your blog, from Gather a Table, to putting it in print. So I think it was like a natural extension because uh, what I do on my blog is very much the same. It's, you know, photography, it's writing, it's sharing recipes. Um, but there's something that's really beautiful and substantial about holding a book and flipping through pages that, like, something digital can never compare to. Um, and I felt it was just, like, a natural extension of what I do there. And I was able to kind of uh, curate a series of recipes that I really feel represents, you know, what I cook and what goes on my table. And I feel that for my children, my daughters especially, I could hand the book and, and they'll be, you know, equipped. To, to make all of these foods that they grew up with. Um, and I felt that that, that was important for me. And I, I, you can't have that, you know, digitally. Right. I, it, it makes perfect sense. And, and the term gather a table, it's a, it's a, is that something that, that 
you heard in your home because it's not an American kind of, and you're not, I mean, you are of every region on this planet, but, <laughs> but it is not an American term. You don't hear Americans say, come, let's gather a table. Where's that term from? So I'll tell you, um, my blog actually started uh, as the kosher spoon. That's how I was blogging. And then, like, I felt like I really needed – it felt very generic to me, and I felt like I, I needed um, something that, that represents what I feel food does. And I feel like, you know, that it gathers people around the table. Um, I mean, logistically, if that's what was available. I really wanted to gather – or gather around the table, but those were all taken. So I settled on gather a table. Um, I felt like, you know, it, like, brings people to to understand, like, you know, this is, it's about to get, the food isn't, the, the goal isn't the food. The food is just a backdrop to gathering around the table with, you know, friends and family and whoever you want to give to. That's beautiful. I, I, I hear it. I, it might not have been your first choice, but it certainly sounds like it's the right choice for you and your message. Right? Yes, it certainly all worked out. Were there recipes that didn't make the cut that you would have liked to include? Uh, she says, I have, um, I have a word file with 60 recipes that didn't make it into the book. <laughs> um, I kept asking for more pages and more pages, but thank God I, I would have gotten very overwhelmed. Yes, I have many recipes that didn't make it into the book, um, but I feel like, great, I have an opportunity. I show them. A lot of them I share on my Instagram page. I've been, like, cooking a lot of the, um, the things that I, I wish I could have included. And, and hopefully one day maybe there will be another book. You know, it's funny because the first recipe I look for these days, because I'm a little bit unnaturally obsessed with making challah, I, I looked for a challah recipe, which is what brought me to the Jerusalem bagels recipe because I was checking out, I, I assume, between the pizza and the flatbread that there'd be a challah recipe. I know. <laughs> you're, the second, you're the second person who um, has told me that. There's a reason I didn't include the challah recipe, and I'll tell you why. Um, I felt like if ever I write a second cookbook, it'll be most of the foods that I cook for Shabbat and Yom Tov, and I felt oh. like challah was Wow. Um, I felt like Shabbat and Yom Tov cooking is, I, for me, a little bit more involved, and I didn't want people to get too overwhelmed. So I kind of balanced it in, the, um, in this book, uh, but who knows, maybe one day if ever I write a second book on Shabbat and Yom Tov, then the challah will be there. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing that. I look forward to seeing your next book, though I'm sure at this point you want a little bit of a vacation from it. But I definitely look forward to reading that challah recipe. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I have a few moments left with Sina Mizrahi again. She is the cookbook author of the great cookbook called Good Food. You can find it at artscroll.com slash goodfood. Use promo code radio, 10% off and free shipping. I want to talk to you for a second about your falafel recipe. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why. First of all, because I'm totally nutty about really green falafel, and ah. I, it, it makes me crazy when I get a brown falafel bowl. I know, I know. Right. 
So how long did it take you to get the right balance between the cilantro and the parsley and all those colors and all those flavors? Because this, I could eat this picture, Cena. This picture, <laughs> this picture looks so good. It's literally edible. How long did it take you to strike that balance before somebody? Okay, so I, I've been making falafel for years and years and years. And when I lived in Israel, like it's very important to find the good falafel places. Um, there's a specific falafel place in the Bukhari and Shuk. And, I mean, the Bukhayan Quarter, which is next to the Shuk, um, it's called the Salam or Shlomo. I wrote it in the book. I forgot. Shlomo Falafel. Shlomo Falafel. And his is incredible, and it's, it's, just, it's, incre- it's fresh, it's green. And I knew that, like, this is the, o- it's the only way to make falafel. It's, it's the only way. If I see a falafel and it doesn't have a lot of herbs in it, it's lacking in flavor. And I feel like it's lacking also in quality because, like, why didn't you put the herbs? I know it's annoying to kosher all those herbs, <laughs> but it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so it was really important for me to include a recipe for a falafel the way it should be made and the way you need your standards to be because I feel like some people don't even, like, understand that. Right. No. I agree. I um, totally agree with you. The only part I would disagree with is that I'm not putting amba on anything. I hope we can still be. <laughs> I hope we can still be friends. Yes, I love you. <laughs> um, amba is a very acquired taste. I hear it. I hear it. It's not something that's easily because it has like um, the curry and the turmeric and Right, and why are you doing that to mango? I don't understand. It's like I just it does. The mango, <laughs> the mango brings a bit of sweetness and tartness because the mango um, is there to balance the other flavors. I it's so good. I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe if I make your amba, I'll feel differently. Maybe. Maybe I look forward to giving it a shout. I look forward to giving it a try. So far, I have to tell you, such good food. Really, I look forward. We uh, the uh, the salmon I made today for lunch. I did it on kebabs. I posted a picture of it. I mar- I did exactly what you told me to do, and I marinated it last night, and I grilled it this morning. And the fact that everything is being delivered exactly the way you you prescribe is it just guarantees again good food. And I I really applaud this effort. First of all, the book itself is beautiful and whoever worked on the layout really stuck true to the fact that the recipes and are, are of clear and healthy and clean flavors, but also really was inspired by your blog. So it, they didn't deviate from your brand. This, this is like a real extension of you. Right, absolutely. I was very on top of like, I mean, I spent hours finding fonts. I was very involved in all the little details because I felt like it really needed to be... Um, a true representation of the book and what I do and what I love. And, like, I don't like to call it a brand because I don't feel like I'm a brand, but there's something, like, that innately I'm attracted to and a certain aesthetic that I, um, I'm, I'm very, um, I, I don't know, particular about. So I felt like, you know, Devorah Cohen, which is the one I worked with to, to, do the co- to, the, to do the layout of the book and everything, she was incredibly patient and and she really like brought my vision to life. I'm so grateful for her. Well, kudos to um, the kudos to the team at Art School yeah. Masora, and kudos to you. I look forward to the uh, Shabbos and Yom Tov book or the Shabbat and Yom Tov. Oh, <laughs> it's, the truth is, every time, as soon as I finish, I'm like, I am never doing this again. <laughs> yeah, it was 
It's it's a lot of a lot of work. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not minimizing it. It does not for a second look like you did this overnight. That is for sure. Artsgirl.com slash good food promo code radio. Cena, thank you so much for your time and certainly thank you for including us in your home. Because that's really the way I feel. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Much hat to you and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay, great. Thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. The afternoon continues with a full day of programming, and I'm certain to uh, guarantee a Labadic live lunch. A live lunch hosted by Nahum Siegel begins in just a few moments. Throwback Thursday at 1 p.m., JM Rewind at 4, and bump it bum the return of the Arab Shabbos show after the three weeks hosted by Mark Zamek, a brand-new Arab Shabbos show tonight at 7 p.m. Of course, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, Nahum Siegel in studio. Avrami hosts Matzei, uh, Saturday Night Siegel. This is Matzei Shabbat. Matis, not a 7 a.m. Sunday. We thank everyone for their continued support of this network. I close today with Yonatan Scheinfeld's newest release called Derech Chadasha. You can find it on YouTube. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs> לתת לנפש מנוחה לפתוח דלת לרווחה חום של בית ומשפחה אותו מקום של הבנה של הזדמנות של התחלה דופקים על שעריך להיכנס כדי לצאת לדרך חדשה Let's go.